Hello, and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Kuganaga. We're brought to you today by Tough Love Screenwriting, a brass knuckles and boots on the ground guide to building a paid professional screenwriting career, written by veteran working screenwriter John Gerald, available now on Amazon.com, and there's a link on our site for your convenience. And for more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, we have on the show, back on the show, I should say, a lit manager and producer who's originally from Canada and got to start at William. Morris and UTA before joining the Hollywood gang at Warner's as a development exec and then launched his own shingle, Management SGC. Mr. Scott Carr, great having you back on, Scott. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. Um, you're super nice guy, and I love that about you. And uh, so, I, I, But I wanted to talk to you today, um, not about how nice you are, although we already talked about that just now, um, <laughs> but I wanted to talk to you today about queries i get them even though i'm not a rep at all i'm sure you get hundreds uh if not hundreds and hundreds of, a month um again i even get them and we're not a rep we don't represent anybody we don't accept queries and i get queries and i'm just astounded by some of the queries that i get that i can't imagine the stuff that you have to filter through uh and, and we talked about that just recently but i wanted to get into your brain you pick your brain a little bit about queries how a writer, a screenwriter can get read, the art of being sane and coming across as professional and normal and respectful, which is super important, things like that. You know, so the sort of the do's and don'ts of querying and screenplay submissions, if you will. So let's maybe just get start off with mm -hmm. queries and getting read and being professional. What are some do's of querying? And, and screenplay submissions, the things that you like, things that work for you, things that you think writers should be aware of when they are, before they hit that send button on their email, what should they know? Uh, of course, yeah. Well, I think, you know, the game changer for queries in general is the internet and email. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been around, you know, 20 years. But even when I came to this town, you know, a little over 10 years ago, I'd come originally thinking I might pursue something in the writing craft. And um, I, I started off by sending letters and everything, and most of them came on return. So I think the first do is do it electronically. I know that might seem like a no-brainer, but I occasionally get uh, one in the mail. And maybe people think that's like got a personal touch to it and they spent some postage on it, but I'm letting their email is in there, but I'm less inclined to respond. And now I have to go to the computer and type in their email address and respond. If I, you know, it's just as little work as possible for the person you're querying, the better, mm -hmm. just because chances are if you're querying them, they're established and busy. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, first and foremost, treat it as an email. I personally occasionally get calls to my office with people asking if we accept queries, which I think is a professional thing to do. But frankly, I think it's better just to send a query. And mm -hmm. if that person doesn't accept queries, they're just going to delete it and you're not going to hear from them. And you shouldn't reply because you just assume that that's the case. Right. Um, versus sending a, pre a, a preliminary call or email saying, do you accept queries? Just send the query in the body of an email. Don't send it as an attachment. If I have to open a PDF or something, it's, I'm less inclined. Again, one extra, one less step. Like No one's that busy. It's just almost unprincipled. Like, it didn't have to be an attachment, dude. Mm -hmm. So just send your query in the body of an email, succinct via email with no, no preface of any kind to the email. And, you know, I think you'd have the best chance at getting succinct eyes on it. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I think that's kind of like the first, and maybe that's what primarily people do, but the fact that I've gotten other versions of that. Right. Um, and of course, every, this is all personal preference and subjective, so do what you think works. But for me, and that's all I can really speak toward, I prefer them to come in that format. Right. We were talking earlier about this subject, and something came up that I thought was is, is relevant. Time, querying in terms of the time of day and the day. I've gotten, you know, I've spoken to other reps as well and saying that, you know, they get queries on Sunday morning, you know, things like that that are wholly inopportune. What should uh, newer writers know about querying? What, what's a, you know, in terms of time and. Yeah, day? of course. Yeah, I've mentioned that when we were talking privately. And I, I think that, you know, I get, I'm sure I get queries from other time zones and people in other countries and stuff, and they're just sending it based on their day. That's fine if they're sending it at, you know, if they send it to me at a reasonable time, it's 3 a.m. their time, then, you know, do what you got to do. But I, I think, generally speaking, try to send queries during the business hours um, versus the middle of the night. Because when I wake up in the morning, I always wake up to a number of emails. And mm-hmm. if a query's in there, it's probably going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't recommend people send queries that arrive early on a Monday because everyone is super busy on a Monday because we're coming back from our weekend or staff meetings. Um, we're catching up on our weekend read with clients or whatnot. So I think, you know, generally wait until you get past 11 a.m. Um, if you want immediate attention. And of course, an email can sit in someone's inbox for days and get back to them. But like it's like a first a touch point. When they see your email is going to matter, and I think trying to get it. In, I don't want people to overanalyze this, but you can get it into someone's inbox at a time that they're you know is somewhat opportune between uh, between eleven and lunch or after lunch until six o'clock in the evening their time. So check out the time zone the place you're sending it to. Try to avoid Monday early Mondays if possible. Don't send queries too late on a Friday. I think people's weekend reads are already spoken for. People are looking forward to maybe getting off to their weekend, even though we do a lot of work on the weekend. Um, you know, I don't think we want any unsolicited work on the weekend. <laughs> right. So I think, you know, Tuesday to Thursday between the hours of 11 and 6 and mm. avoiding lunch. That's probably just a general good time to catch people in a good mood. Mood is important. It's something that people can't control. But if someone ha- is having a really bad day and they query, you know, I know I've been times where I've gotten queries. And, you know, I'm just not in the mood for a query and I just delete it. And it's my, it's probably to my chagrin, but it just came when I wasn't really wanting one, you know? So, so it's really maybe just about paying attention to when, what people are up to if their business seems to be going well in the press and they seem like they might be in a good spirits, mm-hmm. you know, you, that's a good time. Like if you hear of someone that's recently popped a writer off a query, that person's probably very open to getting queries since it was a piece of business for them. They monetized. Mm-hmm. So that's someone to pay attention to doing your research on people, um, how they built their business. Is it someone that likes to look under rocks and build people up from nothing? Or are they someone that seems to be more going after established writers and filmmakers? If it's that person, they're probably not as interested in someone that doesn't have anything going for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think you can learn a lot by just rather than random blasting reps, um, or BCCing a ton of them at once, you know, handpick people you think makes sense and personalize the query a little bit. Like mention something in the query that is pertinent to that person's business that lets them know that you did a little bit of research versus a, 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 a template email 
You know, these little things do matter when you only have maybe a few seconds to leave. It's like a, it's like a job interview, a first impression. You mm-hmm. wear the wrong tie and you're already out of the running. Right. Um, and yeah. we're talking about something else that can be, have a great effect on it. Uh, a query and the, the response that they may or may not get is, is humor. Cause that's something that's very personal. And it's something that, again, depending on the person's mood, uh, the context, because it's very difficult to gauge intent uh, on an email, um, but humor. Can you talk a little bit about infusing humor in, in a query? Yeah, I would, unless, you know, unless you're, well, if you're a comedy writer, then you might want to induce some of your voice into the query, and that's fine. Um, you know, slippery slope, because, yes, humor is subjective and tone is hard to interpret in email. I think it's safer not to use it, generally speaking, because... Like you said, it could be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if someone feels they need to stand out, then I would try to keep it as like witty versus anything too lowbrow or profane. Like you know, professionalism, regardless of your the kind of writing you do, I think is important for any writer because we work in a professional business first right. and foremost. So mm-hmm. you know, they, I'm only going to work with people I know that are going to conduct themselves in a professional capacity, be it on the phone or going into rooms. You know, so I'd like to think that when they're reaching out to query people they do not know and have not established trust or relationship with, that they're going to approach it from a very um, professional and um, and somewhat articulate capacity. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, just like they're talking to their old buddy. Right. Uh, sometimes I think people can push it too far where it looks like the tone is too loose. Right. And, you know, they, 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 they skipped a couple of dates. It's like the analogy of like, this is the first date and they're already asking to sleep with me. Like it's, you know, it's not appropriate in with a, with a certain degree of, of, uh, uh, of how you frame your sentences and you know, how long you keep my attention on that email. I think using things that's really kind of relevant, like to the information, just jokes for sake of jokes don't really do much for me. It's just like, it's like, I mean, if you want to be a sitcom writer of the 90s, maybe, but I want people that can, can kind of handle a narrative. So, you know, if you're using humor, use it in a narrative capacity over the course of a few sentences, have it have some sort of purpose to it mm-hmm. um, versus just dropping in some, some sound bites. Um, but generally speaking, I, I, I don't really require it nor respond to it um, because, you know, it, it's really about the idea and the quality of the idea. First and foremost, I'm not going to ever sign anyone off of the quality of their query letter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really got to show up in the work. And if they're writing comedy, and I think it's a good idea. Whether they were funny or not in the query, you know, I, would, I may still accept it. Um, and if they're funny in the query and I don't find them funny in the, in the, in the script, then I, it's kind of a fundamental problem that I think that they, they kind of don't really, they're just kind of like, about the, the singular pops versus the long withstanding ability to keep someone's interest comedically over time, which is telling stories right. um, versus sound bites that are these queries. So, you know, I think, you know, tread lightly with humor mm-hmm. um, and maybe as a general rule, try not to in- inject it too aggressively. Right. And you had mentioned that uh, you look for, because they're, uh, writers, um, writers who are articulate. Does 
because I get a lot, again, I get queries as well, and some of these are just atrocious. Now, granted, some of them are, f are foreign, although that doesn't bode well necessarily if they're writing an English language script, if their query is terrible, but some of these queries are awful in terms of the punctuation, the grammar, some of them don't even use capital letter, you know, the kind of things you see on comments, mm -hmm. Yahoo comments, mm -hmm. they're just terrible. And, you know, it's one thing if you're writing a Yahoo comment, but it's another thing if you're trying to get representation as a writer. But how closely do you look at the query in terms of making sure that the, the writing is strong in that? Yeah. Uh, for me personally, it's very important. I'm, I'm a rather pedantic individual just because I do believe in the importance and power of presentation. Mm -hmm. Like when I represent clients and we take out their material with their name and my name in the bottom left-hand corner, I don't want errors in the script in any way. Like, sure, sometimes you just miss things, but, you know, we're going to go through it with a fine-tooth comb eventually because this is like if you were making a movie and you were and and there was a an inconsistency in the edit where in one scene he's wet and the next scene he's dry, it pulls you out of the experience. So I want everything on the page to be as professional as possible so they can engage in the storytelling and not be pulled out by any type of um, correctable errors. Mm -hmm. So I, I hold the same I hold um, the same standard for queries, which are much shorter, and it should not be hard to edit or reread a query. Right. Um, you know, using capital letters, proper grammar, proper punctuation, um, you know, articulate sentences. You know, I think this is a reflection of their writing and their rigor as an individual and as a professional. And you know, I just know something to be true at least in this day and age, whether you're a writer, producer, filmmaker, or whatnot. You know, you're, you're, the industry is no, as a writer, the industry is no longer about just writing and, and, and putting it out there and people responding just to your ideas. It's about the quality of your writing and how you conduct yourself in all forms of communication, be it mm -hmm. emails or in the room. So people are going to want to work generally with people that can communicate literary, um, verbally, otherwise it's just important. So to me, it kind of flies and dies in the details. Now, mind you, if I'm reading a query and it's a really strong idea, like a log line that's really strong, but they misplace the semicolon, then I'll let it slide. I'll right. ask for it. But if, it, if, if the idea is just kind of meh, but I might be on the fence, but it's a sloppily, um, sloppily conducted query, then I'll probably delete it or pass mm -hmm. because it just reveals a deeper symptom um, of something I might not want to have to deal with, which is just someone who doesn't seem to put much attention into that. Right. And part of my job is to help them with the editing process, and it's okay. I don't mind doing that, but I prefer to not have to correct or flag some of the most obvious things because they just didn't bother to do their own edits. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm a little too busy for that. Right. Um, so... So I, I encourage people to, you know, pay attention to that. And, you know, sometimes I can tell when I'm reading a query, it's from someone who probably isn't English, isn't their first language, um, you know, and that's, that's, that's all fine. Like I think if English isn't your first language and your writing reflects that, you're going to have a tough time being a writer in an English language industry mm -hmm. um, because voice matters and the words you use matters, your eloquence and, the, you know, the way that you form these cinematic experiences on the page all matter. Um, so I think it's a tougher time if you're, if it's gone through some sort of translation, some of I read queries, I can tell it just went to an online translator. Right. It's usually something I'm probably not going to jump all over because, you know, it's just not to discriminate against foreigners. If it's not the first language, I admire them wanting to reach out. 
Um, I think they might have to make sure that if they want to work in this industry, they better learn our language. If they want to write in our, in our language and make films that are in English, then that's important to, to learn it as much as you can. Like I wouldn't go overseas to Japan and teach English to Japanese children if I didn't know my own translations properly <laughs> with enunciation. Right. I probably would suck. <laughs> so, so yeah. So you know, I think doing it, that just means they get a tougher time. They have to do their more education and due diligence to better present themselves mm-hmm. um, if they want to be part of an English-speaking um, industry. Right. Um, for those people but yeah if you if you speak english and you're and you're and you write in english and you're still conducting yourself with poor grammar and presentation then i, I find that somewhat sloppy and unforgivable it's like pick, clean it up before you hit send right it certainly doesn't bode well for a person who is seeking representation as a writer per se that would be the equivalent of going to a job interview in short right right you know it's just not it's just not going to fly right you know, it's just first impression. It's so important. Things can get more lax once trust is established and people give more, more, um, more latitude as a result. But when there's no trust, everything has to be conducted um, as perfectly as, as they can. Mm-hmm. What's the perfect ideal length for a query other than the logline itself? Uh, a sentence or two, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. If they've got accomplishments, that give them greater credibility, like maybe they've been writing for a magazine for a number of years, or they've been prominently placed in meaningful screenwriting competitions, or a certain college that they graduated from with certain accolades. They can include that. I think it's kind of just getting a little, a little bit of a distinction that you've been somewhat self-vetted, um, you know. But I don't want like a bio. I'm not going to read someone's one-page bio. Right. You know, you've got to find a way to be terse and get the pertinent information across can quickly give me your log line. Um, and, uh, and, and that's pretty much it. Like I'm really, all I'm wanting to know is what are you wanting me to read and what is it about? Mm-hmm. Um, I won't, the quality of the writing and the execution, of the storytelling, I have to take a look at the script or at least several pages of it. Um, so what's most important to me is just getting to the point, which is, all right, fine. What's your idea? What's the genre? And I'll let you know if I think, because I, I, sell, I sell ideas just as much as I sell stories because mm-hmm. of the nature of our industry. Um, so I need to know what that is. And it's something I think the idea is hard to distinguish whether or not it's going to be great. It would be a writing-based execution contingent process. I'll, I'll read that script. I've certainly read and signed people off scripts that I didn't think the ideas were what were going to get it done. But if the writing and the, and the storytelling were exceptional, um, there's still business there. There's still opportunity there. There's other ideas they can come up with that could, that they could draft off of with that writing applied to a better, stronger idea. Um, so I just kind of want to get to the point, which is what they want me to read with any pertinent information that will better incentivize me to want to read them. Right. What about sending a query, not getting a response? What is the protocol for sending again? following up no, or just let I it go? Um, I listen, you know, again, to each their own. I personally, like, I think we all get our emails unless they get a bounce back or something. Right. I think it's safe to assume it went to the person's email inbox. Mm-hmm. If they didn't reply, I'd say let it go. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, the idea wasn't for me. I generally, 
if I don't like the idea, I usually don't respond back saying it's not for me. Because then the next thing I get is, well, what about this idea and that right. idea? And usually, like, if, the, if they're sending, I hope they're leading with their best idea. Right. So I'm probably not going to like the others. So it's best just not to open the door there. Mm-hmm. So I would just let that go. It's just probably not the right fit, the right sensibility, or the right time. If someone replies with asking more information or requesting the script, then a follow-up, I think, is important. Sure. You know, I, I sometimes, you know, some people respond in a couple of days. I think that's not what you should do on a career. Like, you know, I, again, with my business, I certainly do not have time generally to read a query within a couple of bits. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I'm a client first manager mm-hmm. and I, I could be reading a query and then get a request or a piece of material or something from a client. And I will put that query down in a nanosecond because I have uh, a responsibility to this person as a client. So I have queries that I can't get to, you know, sometimes for several weeks. So I say, think generally give people at least two weekends before you follow up mm-hmm. two full weekends and then do a courtesy follow up. Um, and I encourage people to send the follow-up from the email chain. I sometimes get follow-ups from people from a brand new email body. And I honestly, I can't remember what they're talking about mm-hmm. if I don't see the chain that references my memory. So send it from the same chain and then I can better find it in my inbox or I have a better sense of when I got it, when the original email was sent. And uh, I usually will reply, you know, if I haven't read it, because if someone's following up with me, I promise them I haven't read it. Like, we know generally if you're following up, it's because the person hasn't got to. It's almost a little past aggressive. Have you had a chance to read my script? You know the answer is no. Right. Otherwise, I probably would have gotten back to you. Right. Um, unless I didn't like it, in which maybe I'm not wanting to get back to you because I don't always reply mm-hmm. if I don't respond to something. If they reply to me, then I'll just say, yes, I did read it. It's not for me. So maybe that's the intention behind their follow-up. It's all good. Um but I will generally reply if I haven't read it and I'll say, you know, I haven't read it yet. I apologize. I might explain that I'm a little busy with clients right now, but I will, when I get to it, I'll follow up with you. To me, that's my way of saying, thank you for the singular follow-up. I do appreciate that. It has given me a little more of a sound bite on your script and I should prioritize it in my query pile. I do not require a second to the third and a fourth follow-up. Right. I've got as many as five follow-ups from people. And believe me, on the third or fourth follow-up, I'm not reading your script just because they're just, I don't think they're getting that there is a point where follow-up is just becoming annoying. Right. Now I'm starting to feel bad. And you, the last thing you want to do when you're building a relationship is make someone feel bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't work and there's no trust. Right. So, so my general rule is do one follow-up after two weekends and then let it go. And I might, I might not read it after those two weekends. I'm still very busy with other things, but I may get to it in a month or two. And if I like it, I'll follow up with them. And then right. I'll be the one apologizing for taking so long, for being the idiot right. that didn't read this great script fast enough. And I'm just hoping that they're still, still available. If they haven't signed with someone, if they have, then that's my fault. Right. And I'll own that. And maybe I'll change my style and get to things quicker. Um, you know, but you know, never in the face of 90% of my business being focused on the people that I've committed to. But I think that's a, that's generally what, for me personally, I think is a good, if you want to get inside my head, that's, that's the process that works for me. One mm-hmm. follow-up after a couple of weeks and then just let it go. And if I don't respond to them on the follow-up, which might have, I try to be that guy, but sometimes I'm sure it happens. 
I don't need the follow-up saying, did you get my follow-up? Right. Um, you know, maybe like we don't know each other. There's a, there's 6 billion people on the planet. It's, it's okay. Nothing personal. This maybe isn't going to happen to my, to maybe, maybe it's to, to my detriment because you might be genius and brilliant, but you know, you probably wouldn't want to work with a guy like me if I didn't get back to you after a couple of follow-ups and that's okay. I try not to pretend that I'm, I've got some perfect process where I'm responding to every single person in due time and everything. I believe me, queries slip through the cracks all the time for me, but I'm willing to accept that because I get so many and mm. I'm focused on my clients. Right. And generally, you know, my instincts on queries and who I'm going after and which ones I'm accepting usually have been pretty good. Like if I get a query on an idea I really think is strong, I'll probably read that within the first week or two. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, it's, if it's been dangling for months, it's probably just the idea wasn't strong enough for me, but I'm maybe going to take a flyer on just see if the writing was there. Right. Um, you know, but when I open that script, it's going to be determined upon my availability. Um, just because, you know, me, like I'm sure, you know, hundreds and hundreds of my colleagues in this industry, you know, our, our, our jobs are never done. We just choose to abandon them for a day and pick it up the next day. There's always something to read. Right. There's always an opportunity to try to generate. So, you know, when I choose to not put my headspace in there, because I've got a little bit of latitude to look at some other pending future business, that's where my query pile is. And my query pile right now is currently 133 scripts deep. Wow. And, you know, and it's been much higher before. I mean, it's just, it's just, it just is what it is. And I'd rather accept something I think is interesting and get to it over the course of a week, a month, maybe six months. And then maybe the business is there, maybe it's not, um, rather than have no query business and miss an opportunity. But I'm also, I don't feel guilty if I have 130 scripts and I don't get to all of them in two weeks. Right. That's just, I hope the people on the other side understand that the fact that we accepted it and we're willing to look at it at any point could be meaningful to them. Absolutely. And there's no reason to hold any spite mm-hmm. over the timing of it all. And if they're being aggressive, and I encourage it, they should be querying seven, several people with the same script. If they get a response back from someone that likes it and they want to work with them, by all means. And you don't have to send courtesy follow-ups to all the people you sent it to unless you choose to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a little bit of a punch in the face. Like, oh, I'm fine with this guy. If I get to it and I get back to you after three months and say, hey, I liked your script. Oh, I signed with this guy a month ago. I don't feel bad. That's my mistake. Okay, congratulations. I, I don't hate you for not telling me that. No problem. Right. Um, you know, I should have read it when you sent it to me three months ago. You did your job. I didn't do mine. Um, so it's all good. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the one thing that writers who are newer to the industry have a harder time accepting other than, than criticism on their work, which is, can be a tough pill to swallow for, for a lot of writers, but the no response, the no response is common. It's not personal. It's oftentimes they either haven't gotten to it or it didn't interest them. And just because somebody reaches out to you doesn't mean you have an obligation to respond. And I think that's, they, they expect a response and they expect it right away because we live in the world where, you know, electronic tweets and texts fly, they expect it really quickly. And I think that's what you really have to put aside when you're querying. Mm -hmm. If you don't get a response, move on. Uh, Don't take it personally. I I think it's well said. Like I'll quote Frank Underwood from this season of House of Cards. You are entitled to nothing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if you send a query and you don't get a response, I'm not, you're not entitled to one. If you send your script after my request, you're not entitled to getting 
a read from me right. or anyone for that matter. Like we just don't have that relationship. Right. Um, and if you take it personally, I think that's indicative of a bigger problem about how you're going to just be successful in business. Cause people who take business personally are not being professional. Right. It's nothing personal. I'm not, I'm not calling your mother a bad name. Right. It's just time and incentive and busyness and value and all these other factors, none of which have to do with that script sitting in my inbox. Um, and I'm sure I've missed many of opportunities by choosing not to get to them fast enough as have many people, I'm sure. Um, but that's, that's, that's a, that's a price we're willing to pay to keep our eye on the prize. That is our current committed business while still keeping our options open to discovering new voices through the query letter system, which is still a very viable way to find business. Right. I find people off queries, not all the time, but I do. It's, it's, it's part of my business model. Some people don't. Some people are at a place where they're just not in that. They're all about referrals and, and, and things that come to them were established, and that's fine. I don't think I'll ever truly just be only that guy because I'd rather have my own children than adopt teenagers mm-hmm. in that analogy. And when you find someone under a rock through a query and you had the foresight to read the script get back to them, forge a relationship, sign them, develop the script, put it into the system, and then coach them and get them jobs and go on, you really feel the ownership and the enthusiasm, the excitement of being a part of that process from the outset. That's really exciting form of business for me. You know, if Chris Nolan needed a manager, I would happily sign him, but I would probably not feel the same about him in terms of what his career means because I didn't probably play a massive role in developing it. Maybe I helped foster it further, but, you know, it would probably be more about monetization than Mm -hmm. anything. Don't get me wrong. That's important. Everyone needs to and wants to make money, but I am really a love for a love of the game kind of person. I know a lot of my friends and colleagues in this business who I respect most are, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't come here just to try to like pad the bank account. I came here to, you know, want to be a part of something creative and meaningful and, where you feel like the real truest impact is the sustainable difference that you've made in someone else's life. Mm -hmm. Probably the most gratifying experience that we could have as human beings. And, you know, it's like Mr. Burns in, in the Simpsons. Like he's always this kind of that, you know, his money can't make him happy, but, um, he sure does try. Um, but so, you know, so yeah, so it's really back to your original point. I think, it's important for writers when they're querying to, to look at it as a business from that standpoint mm-hmm. and to be aggressive and proactive, but conscientious of people's times and reading what the, what these responses might in fact mean and to trust that we're never, it's never about their feelings. Right. At least not yet. Once you become in business with a client and, you're fostering their creative needs and trying to get the best out of them, then emotions play a role in it big time because we, you know, we're emotional beings and you manage that. Um, but at that stage in the relationship, you manage your own emotions. Right. And don't, don't, don't take it out on me. If I don't read your script, don't send me a snide email response or start to get passive aggressive with your tone, but I'm not reading it because I'm not going to read your script, nor am I going to reply, nor am I going to work with you. I just frankly don't enable that. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just disconnect from that energy than and, put a little bit of gasoline on that fire. 
to me, the non-response is like putting water on it right. in my world. Right. And know that if, <clears throat> if there, you get no response, there is a slight chance that maybe they did actually miss your email or haven't gotten to your script yet. But more likely than not, they didn't respond to it and you should just let it go. Because uh, if they loved it, they would contact you immediately. They would, if they love your logline, they love your script, they will contact you. It's not something, oh, this is a great script. I'll try calling that guy. Maybe he'll call me later when I get to it. No, they'll call, pick yeah, up the phone. No. They'll call you immediately. Absolutely. I think most representatives, especially managers, where we're kind of first in, you know, we're, we're finding mm -hmm. people at the very nascent stages of their career and developing them and then hopefully setting them up with great agents and producers and whatnot. Believe me, we're hungry enough that if we read something great, you're going to get a call or an email. I've sent, you know, I, sometimes I read my queries late to break my own rules, and I'll send that email at 2 in the freaking morning when I'm done the script mm -hmm. because I do not want to risk that someone else is emailing them at 2 in the morning and I, mine comes in at 9. Right. You know, it's a different context than when you send, when they sent their initial query. Um, so, and I'll get on the phone with them and I'll tell them what I love about it and what I think could be done with it or what I think it needs. Believe me, great material and great ideas will find a home, mm -hmm. um, you know, if it, if it really is that strong. So, so, and then, yes, and to your earlier point, if someone thinks maybe it did, it got lost in the cyberspace, so an email not arriving, which is, I think, maybe half a percent of the situations like I think that, yeah. most emails get through. Right. But then I think if you're going to, if you feel, if you're worried, if you can't sleep at night thinking that that might have been the case, then you can send an email saying, you know, I'm not sure if you received this email or it got lost, but I just wanted to, you know, and then believe me, if you don't get a response to that, then let it done. go. This yeah. doesn't want to talk to you. But if, you know, if you're, if it's causing emotional stress in your life, that you think that Gmail might be sabotaging <laughs> your career, right. then, um, yeah, then do your thing. Again, that's not a faux pas. Now, you're not going to find someone that's going to be like, putting a bullet in the gun because someone did a follow-up to that with that type of conscientious response of, I realize it's possible that sometimes emails don't get through. I understand you're very busy and maybe you just haven't had a chance to get to it, or maybe it's not of interest to you. And that is totally fine with me. I just wanted to do my due diligence right. to let you know I'm genuinely interested in having you take a look at my material if you're inclined to, and if you like my idea. And if not, thank you for your time. And I wish you the best of luck sincerely. Mm -hmm. Right. Awesome. What a professional response. I might even respond to that. Just saying, thank you for this email. Right. You know, that's how I, I feel respected and appreciated, but also understand you're trying to apply yourself diligently to your mm -hmm. craft and you believe in yourself. Right. All good. You know, how right. people comport themselves and communicate is critical to not just this industry, but life and relationship, but very much so when you're trying to build relationships and establish them. Right. Does name dropping in queries make a difference to you without any sort of referral? Yeah, I, I recommend people don't. Like, I sometimes get, you know, I've had queries where people say, hey, my script is being read by blank, blank, and blank, most of which I probably know, some of which are maybe competitors because right. they're maybe other men. I'm like, I don't need to know this information. It feels passive aggressive to me. You know, I, you know it, it's also, I think, a sign of an amateur. Right. Because I think a lot of people know that name dropping is a big faux pas. Like people just people who just get it don't do it. They let their reputation and subtleties lead the way, not talking about who they know or who read them and stuff like that. 
You know, and believe me, if they've got a meaningful enough name, they mm-hmm. don't need to be querying me. <laughs> um, you know, they, they should be they should be working with the person that they're dropping the name. Right. That person should be helping them find a manager. Right. If they're that strong of a name. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, they probably don't believe in them. And this person's embellishing the relationship. Right. Um, so I think as a general rule, I don't think there is a situation where mentioning a relevant industry person is going to move the needle right. for, um, for, a, for a representative. We're going to read between the lines there. <laughs> yeah, if that uh, industry name is not willing to shoot you an email or call you on their behalf, then it's really not something. Well, I sometimes have got the email. I know the person. I'll forward the email. I'll say, hey, mm-hmm. is this guy legit? Or, you know, and then nine, nine times out of ten, it's just like, you know, he queried me and I never responded. Mm. I'm like, all right, they're, they're now a liar. I don't right. want to work with people that lie. Right. You know, so be careful. We, it's a small town. That's true. Chances are we know the person they're mentioning. If, we're, if we have a relevant, effective business, mm-hmm. we know these people. It's, or we know these people's reps. And I will, if I think, okay, I want to check this. If, 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 if the information is accurate and true, and maybe, yes, it's good to see that they've kind of built that relationship. But I'm not going to just assume it. I'll check with the horse's mouth. Right. Um, and I would really think if that was truly, you know, because maybe that person didn't think of me and they found someone else and I might want to chase it at that time. But if I know that person well and this person, if this person that's querying me saying they know this person knows that person that well, I would think the most effective thing to do is have that person call me. Yeah. And say, hey, I read this great writer or someone I'm working with. He, he's a, he doesn't have a rep. You should read him. Mm-hmm. I would be like, I will read it this weekend. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. That's how you expedite the, the, uh, the query letter process is referrals through yeah. these people. If you're dropping a name, it's not probably a, someone you're refer, it's referable. Therefore, you probably shouldn't be dropping your name. Right. Talking about other don'ts, um, Facebook queries. I've heard uh, of people doing that and not getting very good responses. Yeah, this is, this, I'm, there might, this is interesting. I, there, there'll be a little bit of hypocrisy in my answer here because I, in signing people, have used Facebook because it was the only way I could access them. Mm-hmm. I didn't have their email. I didn't have any mutual relationships, but I read a piece of material, didn't have their contact information on it, or I saw directors big time. Most of my directors, if I find them, I have to get a hold of them over Facebook because Everyone's on Facebook, and I can find them easily. So I've done that, but the conduct in which I reach out to them um, is still very professional of their time. I think I kind of, you know, I, I, I like think I know what I'm doing there. So that that communication seems to fundamentally, you know, be professional. I might not always get a response, and that's fine. Just like I might not respond to someone else. But I think a writer sending me on email because my information is 100% available online. If you go on IMDb or Studio System, or you go to my website. My email is there. Mm-hmm. You do not need to reach out to me on Facebook. Right. So I would encourage people to not reach out to reps on Facebook. Yeah. I have rep friends of mine that have deleted their Facebook accounts because they're getting queried by people trying to access them. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have email formats. If you're trying to get a hold of a, a manager at a management company, they all have the same email format. It would be first name, first initial, last name at managementcompany.com. Great. Send the query out. Um, you know, or go online to their website and see if they accept queries. Some don't. Some are only referrals. Some of the larger companies are, and that's fine. They need to have a filtering system. But do not use 
Facebook. To me, it's lazy. It's like, hey, I'm on Facebook, but I'm not on IMDb Pro. Right. Like, if you're not on IMDb Pro, are you serious about being a writer? Mm-hmm. Come on. It's $99 a year. You know, I think it's 150 now, but still. It's not crazy expensive. It's an in, it's an invaluable tool to access people. Um, studio assistant's expensive, so I understand that. I have if people Google my name. It, first thing it takes them to is a the fact that website I have set up, so I have access to my own email. It's not a working website, but it does have my content information on it, mm-hmm. and I have it up there so people can reach out. So so for me, Facebook for me is off limits. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't respond to it because it just. There's other ways to do it. Yeah. It's not the right platform to reach out to someone like myself. Right. But like I said, if I see a film by a director I thought was awesome, and I have no way of getting his email or phone number, right. so I have no mutual relationships, hey, I'll, I'll go through Facebook if I have to because I want to communicate with that person. Right. But I will conduct myself in a very specific way, and I will fully understand if I get no response. Yeah. I get it. I don't want any regrets about not going after the person because I didn't think that was an appropriate venue because it was the only option I had. Right. Because, um, right. like, you know, when you're trying to sign someone, I, gotta, I can't call around to too many people. Do you have a person, because before I know it, that person is now being talked about by other people, and I tipped off people to someone I'm trying to sign that sure. I want no one else to know about until I procured that relationship. Right. So I have to do things a little bit more surreptitiously. Right. But going back to Facebook and managers and agents, even if they can't afford IMDb Pro at 99, there's other sources like Dundeal Pro. It's like $23 a year. And or you, oh, can, yeah, you, can, sure. you can join the forums and it's free and you can just ask someone, hey, does anyone have this email address? Somebody will give it to you. Chances are nine out of 10 times. It's easy. It really is. Uh, okay, great. Yeah, I don't know as, as, as much about a lot of those other methods. Yeah. But if there are, if those are out there, then of oh, course. Like, yeah, absolutely. Writers should definitely be doing their due diligence to find out the, the methods in which to access. I think said the internet changed the game. Yeah. So use the internet to find the most professional way to reach out to people. You know, don't use Facebook. Don't use Twitter. Yeah. You know, and if your logic you, is I'm going to reach out to Scott or some other manager or rep by Facebook because I want to stand out, you will stand out. You will stand out as the a-hole who used Facebook, a personal yeah. you know, site for friends and family and, and other contacts to bother yep. them. Yep. Yep. I have I use Facebook exclusively for friends and family and I don't use it like I don't use it to interface with um, like for in terms of incoming business. Sure. To find writers and sure. directors, um, it's just not what I use it for. Um, just because I have other ways, I have a, I have an email, I have a phone. Yeah, um, it's all good. And I actually prefer people like this. Is one thing I want to put on about the don'ts because you're on that subject. Is yeah. like sometimes I get an email from people with a query and I don't reply to it. It's okay. Then they call like mm-hmm. a week later asking if I got the email. Mm-hmm. Like if I answered that call or took that call, like that's annoying because now they put me on the spot. Like yeah. I deleted their email. I didn't want to read it. Now I have to tell them. It's right. like, oh. it's like yeah. thank you for making me feel like a douche for five seconds. So don't don't follow up with a phone call. Like we are an email based society when it comes to queries. Don't call people. It's right. just not. They're not going to want to have that. Call. I don't want to have that conversation personally. 
Like yeah. the phone is a very specific thing. It's something reserved for relationships or referrals. Um, I, I, I screen a lot of my calls or my, or my office will screen the calls and I won't call people back that I think are calling with unsolicited requests. Mm-hmm. It's just not what I use the phone for. That's what I use my email for. It gives yeah. me more control over how I respond and when and when I choose to. You know, as someone who owns and runs a business, I do have a right to dictate how I spend my time. Mm-hmm how I spend my time. I don't need to be put on the spot. So to me, I don't, it doesn't work and I don't necessarily appreciate it. But again, maybe it works for someone else and I'm not telling people what they shouldn't do universally. I'm just saying, keep these tips in mind and, you know, you know, if they live for you, apply them. Yeah. Now, a frequent listener and a really smart guy that we like a lot brought up something that I thought was very interesting. And you said <laughs> specifically about your, uh, your query pile being 130-ish scripts right now, currently. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, that sort of illuminates this topic. What are lit managers up against? Uh, in other words, how many queries do you field a day? How many scripts and or coverage reports do you read in a week? How much ore do you have to shift through to find that one nugget, the one good writer? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a horrendous ratio, sadly, because it's a lot of wasted time, but it's yeah. the time you've got to waste in order to find the needle in the sack of needles. Um, from a signing capacity for me, which is, you know, maybe like two years ago, it might, like, even now, basically, it's different. Like my, my signing quota is, my, my signing standard is even higher now. Sure. Because now it's not just about finding a voice that I'll try to, de- try to, to develop. Now it's about finding someone that has great ideas and a voice who knows how to execute like, cause I just don't need, I, I'm not a volume based business. I can only handle a finite number of clients in a meaningful enough way to make them feel like they're getting the attention that I've committed to. Mm-hmm. So I'm at that point where I will only work with people that go after people that I can't sleep at night knowing that I don't represent that person. I don't right. think there's, I don't think flyers on people. So to me now it's like, that's why my career pile is so big. Cause I'm not, it's just not as important to me anymore. I've got, enough clients to keep me busy 12 hours a day, five days a week. But I don't want to be the guy that says I'm not looking anymore because you want to continue to recycle your business and, you know, stretch and challenge yourself. I can always create more time. And as clients get more successful, they become a little bit more self-sufficient or the incoming business comes in or their agents get more active or they start to become unavailable because they're working and I have more time. So always looking. But the pile's getting bigger because I can only get to a, a, maybe a couple of weeks mm-hmm. right now. Sometimes if I go to that, I, now in my, the way I read queries is like, because I really, you know, writing is first and foremost. It doesn't matter what, how good the idea is if they can't write. They can't tell a story in an engaging way with a cohesive narrative. So I can, you know, burn through a few pages and know if this person's a writer or not. And then I can just delete that email or tell them it wasn't for me and move on. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, if I come across the ones that I like or I have to read the whole thing to really have an de- opinion and I, t- I choose not to go after it, then that becomes an hour or two of my day. And I can only carve those out, you know, a couple of times a week or later at night. Um, so, yeah, so that's so in terms of the volume of it, um, it continues to increase because I still have a, a I'm, I'm a query friendly representative. But I, I sadly, um, for the people that are reaching out to me, I think it's getting longer for me to respond to them. Right. And again, maybe to my own chagrin, I might really miss someone fantastic in that tile. It could be sitting in there. The next Oscar Wayne screenplay could be sitting in my query inbox right now. I just don't know if it's there. 
Like I said, I read all the queries and I look at all the log lines and the ones that do instinctually stand out to me, mm-hmm. I will get to them quickly within a few days or a weekend. Because right. my instincts are saying, do not let this one languish. But I've got to activate my instincts on these. Otherwise, I would just not be managing my own time properly, let alone that of my clients. So, you know, and it's not a tested and true system. Like, there might be some stuff that's through the cracks, but it works enough for me. Like, I have someone I signed off a query last year, last May, I believe, with a script that came in. And that one wasn't even like, look, you know, I think it came in in April. I didn't really get to it until May. So it was at least three or four weekends. Mm-hmm. But when I got to it, because I remembered it in the back of my mind, I was, I was very busy. I had a client in pre-production on a movie, a director. So I really couldn't query, query too much. But when I got to it, which is quick as I could have got to it with my time, um, that the writing was exceptional. It was just like, I'm, I, was, I, thought, I thought I was queried by Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> um, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And, so reached out to him and he's overseas um, and we had a really great Skype call and he's really smart and just got it. And we didn't have anything else for me to read. So that's always like, you know, I've got to really just, and then I have to decide, like, am I going to put all my eggs in this singular basket? It is this one script. I can't corroborate the quality of the writing going forward, right. but that's also part of my business model is I just have to take, I have to, I have to take a risk on people like that and mm-hmm. just hope my instincts are accurate. And um, we just developed the script more for several months and put that, I can't talk much about it because it's literally coming together right now in a meaningful way. I'm sure there'll be an announcement in a couple of weeks, but I don't want to give anything away prematurely on the podcast. But this has become a big deal, at least in the, in the measure of my business is a big deal. I think from an industry standard, it will be seen as a big deal considering the people that are involved, mm-hmm. um, director and talent and producers and everything. And that was a query. That was someone overseas who'd written one screenplay that was doing the whole grind of reaching out to reps via query. It was a very professional query. Um, I always keep those queries because when I create a folder for my clients, um, the first email that's always saved is the initial query that came to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I can very easily just go to the bottom of this here. Here's the query. It was simply, Dear Mr. Carr, I am, pre- I am presently seeking representation in L.A. for my script. I won't say the name of it. A screenplay for a full-length political drama. The script explores, and then he goes into um, a little context prior to the logline, just giving me a little bit what makes it special, as you know, say, quality. Please find below a logline for your consideration. A very succinct two-sentence logline. And then he gave me a little press, a little sum up here of what he thinks is special about it, makes it relevant. He goes, I would like you to read this. If you'd like to, please let me know and I'll send you a copy. Regards, the writer. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I said, I, I, I responded in less than 24 hours. So happy to take a look at it. And then I responded back to him via email about a month later. And fortunately for me, no one other, no other manager or representative had taken a look at that script in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um, so immediately got on a Skype with him, started working with him. Six months later, we're taking the script out to agents. We got them with fantastic, you know, agents and put the whole thing together. And now I could not be more excited about the people in, that potentially are involved. They're going to have to get into deals and do that whole thing. But I'm, you know, pretty optimistic things will work out there and talking with the representatives of those, those, those talent and everything. So, again, queries work. They absolutely work. Be patient and, and, and be professional and don't push. And if it's great material, it will find a way to break through. And if it's not breaking through, 
getting sent it to a number of managers or you're not getting a response or people don't seem to be liking it, then maybe you need to write something else. Yeah. Or maybe you need to do another pass on it. Like, I've never met a writer who didn't fade out thinking they love their scripts. But that doesn't mean it's going to be loved by others. Right. And that's the litmus test because it's really what other people think because that's what our whole industry is based on what other people think. It's about an audience responding to your movie and paying money and wanting to see it and then talk about you have a responsibility to do something that other people respond to. It's assumed you're going to like it. Otherwise, why did you write it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. So like, take the feedback, you know. But you know, avoid the naysayers. Like, it's not about people that are just like jaded and haters and stuff like that. But they're smart people with good taste, and they're not responding at the level you want to operate on. Yeah. Then maybe after you know five, ten, fifteen rejections, maybe it's not about peddling the same script. Maybe it's about changing it. Maybe it's about writing something else. Or maybe it is about peddling the script and it's like, you know, the the whole Einstein thing of like the 5,000th trial is what invented the light bulb. I don't think they're comparable industries. I don't think you're making the light bulb with your script where 4,999 people said it wasn't good, 5,000 said it's good, and then it ends up being that script that gets it done for you. Right. You know, you got to write something where 8 out of 10 people like it. That's just the ratio of getting content made. It's got to be good enough. Right. And if you're querying people with taste, you know, if five of them don't respond to it, then that's probably the that's probably the way it's going to roll out for the most of it, unless you're willing to drop your standards. Or maybe it's just not a script that's on that level. Maybe it's not for that manager, but it's for this one based on the business model they have. Right. You know, we all have our own zones. We all have our own standards. Right. So you got to make sure you hit your standard. Yeah. No, that's good advice. Plus, for every every light bulb that was invented, how many inventions went into the trash because they just didn't work? You know, so yeah, well, that's more the analogy. I think we're yeah. like, you know, the the that two thousands trial that went to the garbage. It went to the garbage because the trial didn't work. That's maybe saying that that script isn't working. Right. You know, I don't want to put that out there too pervasively because you know it is only takes one yes. But we don't work in an industry where one yes and a 99 no's mean you've got a movie. You probably don't have a movie. Right. Because 99 people that make movies or television said no. (laughs) They probably would have saw that it could become something that would have meant something to the industry. So, again, that's something people have got to really just soul search and decide how much they believe in that story. And if people are getting it wrong and everything. Like the script about this, this that I got that I signed this guy off this query, this talented writer... Believe me, when I signed him, I'm like, this is hard. This subject matter is not, this is not a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. This is not going to suddenly just, you know, be the thing that everybody in the world says yes to. But there's going to be nothing else like it in the marketplace if it gets done. It's written in a way where I think talent and filmmakers will respond to it, which is a great way to write. Writing for the people that really do activate the process, being Mm -hmm. directors and actors. Um... And it just had an exceptional quality of writing, which regardless of whether the script gets made or sells, people are going to respond to the writing. I, I, I'd like to think that people are going to read it and nobody's going to say it's a poorly written script. It might not be for them sure. to produce or to make or to go watch even, but they will respond that there's time. It might even be their kind of writer, but they're going to say he can write. And that's important to me. Um, right. And fortunately, I was just able to find it really wasn't that difficult because I had an instinct that it would find its right combination and confluence of people that believed in it and it happened relatively quickly from exposure through till now um but that's also something i just think is just i think we, we're working a time now where where the zeitgeist is where you want to be activating your ideas like there's no accident that like 
I think people want to see movies about like real superheroes. I don't, I don't mean to mean superheroes like Marvel. I mean like people that are out there making it, be it true or fictional, just are really strong characters that have vision and intention and they go through and they fight and they prevail or they lose and they get a message. Like people want that type of content. So if you find a script that has that type of verve to it, then, you know, I'll take a swing for the bleachers with it. Right. You know, versus like a programmer or something that feels like everyone else has written this or this movie's on my DVD shelf right now. It's just, ah, right. I'm not interested in stuff that I, I'm going to try to sell something and develop something that I can watch on my DVD player. Right, right. Right now, because it's already been done in some other iteration. Right. You know, be original, go yeah. beyond. Well, that's the challenge. Yep, um, that's the dream. Um, and speaking of what's on your DVD player, um, what we, we normally like to wrap up with reading, watching, playing, and listening. What are you reading, watching, playing, and listening to in your downtime? Okay, well, I'll need you to go through those again. What I'm reading mm-hmm. right now, which I'm reading for the second time, a book called Creativity, Inc., okay. which is about the creation of Pixar. Oh, cool. Which they have some incredible philosophies and methodologies about how to build a company and have a creative culture and create amazing content, their track record sheets for itself. It's a highly recommended um, piece of literature. Um, so yeah, I'm reading that for the second time. Okay. Reading is loose. I actually don't have as much time to read, read unless it's like a manuscript or something. Like sure. my books are usually books on tape. So I read this, oh, you know, gotcha. when I'm doing my, ex- when I'm doing my exercise, I'm listening. Reading is, yeah. So that's what I'm reading slash listening. Did you say watching yeah. next? Mm-hmm. Um, watching, like, currently, or what did I just watch? Currently. I mean, have you seen any good films lately? Uh, what are you watching on TV? I just finished the whole season of House of Cards, which I thought was excellent. Like, again, high standard. I think they're, it's not as, I think they didn't quite have the same um, moments as the first two seasons, or those aha, oh my God, I can't believe they did that moment. But it's still fantastic storytelling and mm-hmm. writing and character work. Mm-hmm. So I just finished that. Um... I've been, right now I'm in kind of having a kick where I'm watching a lot of movies that I just, I don't know, I think there's, you know, I think a lot of the movies that we're getting made these days are not as inspiring as they used to be. Like when I go out and I watch certain movies in the theater, last movie I saw the theater I really love was Kingsman. Okay. There's few and far between where I'm really impressed and surprised. The last movie before that I really loved that I saw in the theater was Nightcrawler. So it's been several months. Right. Um, so I'm watching, you know, I just watched the American president again for the umpteenth time. It's I absolutely love that movie. Yeah, it's a great film. I recently rewatched Armageddon because I just love that movie so much. It's unexpectedly really? emotional. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. I cannot recommend high enough. Like, I thought some of you were like saying that guy has got horrible taste. I don't care. <laughs> Michael Bay, where, wherever he's gone the last 10 years, he absolutely got that movie right. It's just, it's funny. It's, exciting it's emotional it's engaging it's big it's fun it's i love it and then i just recently we watched on the weekend the shawshank redemption which is my favorite movie of all time so. yeah no that movie is brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah um, uh, what were the other two and playing you said you already mentioned what you're listening to so playing is the last one 
Uh, like music music well i mean playing. sure if you play an instrument games, but also like games games. yeah a lot of people are gamers yeah. nowadays on their I phone or on a system time. like yeah like you know I, I always play a game of uh yeah, I, i'm from canada so cribbage i have an app where i play cribbage which is oh, a card cool. game so i play I play that a couple times a week just to kind of yeah you know just to free my mind up a little bit and do something a little bit more fun um in terms of just uh just something that's not industry related or or anything so i that's what i play and uh, I play racquetball a lot, so I okay. like to play once a week. So that's my my daily, that's my, my weekly exercise reprieve. That's not just standard running and going to the gym. Is is playing um, is playing racquetball. Right. Awesome. Well, I got to stay. And in what shape. was the fourth? Uh, I was listening to, but you mentioned you listen to books on tape and things like that. Yeah. Or books on CD, I guess. Or yeah, and then what I also yeah, and then what I do every day there's um there's this it's, it's only four minutes and twenty seconds long, but there's this um little video that Schwarzenegger put out a few years ago, which he goes through his six rules of success. And um, I literally watch it every day as a, as a, as an exercise, because I think they're perfect for any application to whatever you're going through professionally, personally, I think they're outstanding. So every day I listen to either, I can, it's all, I can listen to it on my phone or I can watch it on the video on my, on, on my iPad or something. But, uh, but that's a daily ritual for me. You know, not always at the same time, but every day I click on it. It's four minutes and 20 seconds of my day, but it's absolutely grounded in what, how to apply myself. And I certainly don't do it flawlessly. It's, you know, it's, it's human beings. It's kind of hard, but it really is tremendous, tremendous um, advice. And where would one find this Arnold Schwarzenegger video? Oh, you could just YouTube. Um, I'm not sure what the title is. Like, I'd say Arnold Schwarzenegger's Six Rules of Success. Okay. You know, and it's just trust yourself. And I'll, I'll do these out of order, probably. But trust yourself. Say no to the naysayers. So don't listen to naysayers, like I said earlier. Always work your ass off. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, be willing to give back. And what is the sixth one? God, I listen to it so often. You know, he does it far more eloquently. Like, I think he's a fantastic speaker, um, even with that accent. It's just he's very inspiring. And it's all done to imagery of his days as a bodybuilder and a politician, as an actor. It's got great music and the score in the background. So I listen to that every single day, um, right. you know, and try to do it very presently as well. It's not like just background music. I literally stop what I'm doing and, and just kind of immerse myself in it. Cool. Um, I think everyone should have these little tools yeah, that absolutely. we use to keep us grounded. Well, I'll see if I can find it and post a link because that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I, I, I you know, I get not, not maybe not everybody's cup of tea because of him. Like, I, I consider him an idol, but like certainly, like many people, he's not perfect. He certainly does some things in his life that I'm sure he regrets. But you know, I think many people would argue that you know, I think Bill Clinton's one of the greatest presidents of all time, and he had some missteps in a sure. big way. And his, yeah, but I don't think it, 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 it invalidates what he created as a president, just like it doesn't invalidate what Arnold created as a bodybuilder, as an actor, and as a politician. Um, or just as a human being in general, as someone who just self-made man came from poverty and became uh, what he is today as a result of working hard and applying these six principles. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on the show again, Scott. I appreciate it. Well, awesome my pleasure. Thank you for making the time. Happy to do it. Yeah. And you can follow Scott on Twitter at SGCar82. That's SGCar with two R's, 82. And if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptsandscribes.com or send us a tweet to at scriptscribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribes. And remember, do not Facebook query, Scott. And uh, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. 
Of course. Yeah, and I remember the sixth rule of Arnold's one, which is actually break the rules. Break the rules? Um, that was, yeah, break the rules. Don't don't be afraid to go outside the box and to stir up a little bit of trouble. So, ironically enough, we're sitting here talking about all of these rules, per yeah. se, but I would call them guidelines at best. They're certainly not laws. Sure. So, take them with a grain of salt if you want, um, but... You know, definitely be bold in how you apply yourself. But the caveat is, I'd say, just be mindful and respectful and professional.